longer young, I said last week. You know, it'd be very easy for you to say, well, he's going to talk on dating today, so I don't need to listen. No, 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 listen. If you've got kids or grandkids, you definitely need to listen to that. You need to be, uh, and, and you know what? They need to hear you say amen. They need to hear you say, uh, yeah, that's what the Word says. They need, they need, they need to hear that. But, but also because this sermon series is on the vow, and we're going somewhere with this. And so even those of you who have, who, uh, your dating days are behind you and uh, you've been married for a while now, you know, you need, to, you need to be listening because everything we're saying, all of these points are building to that last sermon. So hang on to that, okay? And the last part of this three-part sermon series. But just a couple of things, uh, or actually three little points I want to give you here that will bridge a little bit of yes, uh, last week to, to this week is, is this. Dating, courting, as some of you might have used to call it years ago, whatever it is, does not include a vow. Okay, so in case you missed this last week, please uh, go listen to the podcast. But in case you missed it, dating is not that deep. It doesn't include a vow. It doesn't include anything that, that, you know, anything that is, is supposed to pull you in and, and, and make you so connected. And that's one of the problems we have in our society, in our culture, and the way we approach dating is we make dating a lot deeper than it is. But dating has no vow associated with it. So it's not supposed to be as deep, yet we have added a lot of other things. And I don't just mean, I don't just mean sexual relations, but, but this culture has added a lot of other things to dating in a lot of people's lives that don't belong there because there's not a vow. It's not supposed to be that deep, okay? Get it? It's not supposed to be that deep. Secondly, but if it's healthy, if, if you have a dating relationship that is healthy, you work real hard to make it healthy. You know, and you know what healthy means? Healthy doesn't mean everything but one thing is right. I mean, when you're healthy, that means everything's right. You know, and, and I've struggled a little bit today. People come in and say, how you doing, Pastor? And I say, okay. And then I say, wait, wait, wait a minute. Well, I got this congestion junk, you know. You know and so I got a little bit of me that is, isn't quite right. Guess what? I'm not completely healthy. So a dating relationship is not 90% or 95% right, and you got just a little bit. No, a healthy dating relationship can build a strong relationship that you may decide, you may choose down the road to make not just any vow, but the vow. So, so a dating relationship can be an awesome thing, a great thing, if it's healthy. And thirdly, the intimacy of marriage was never intended for children. That's why this sermon today is titled Rated R, because it was never intended for children. It was not intended for 14, 15, and 16-year-olds. Or, and let me take this another step further because it's not really in the title, but understand this. And it was never intended for anyone who is not ready to make the vow. Pray with me. Let's jump into this message. Father, I love you. I thank you, God, for, uh, again, allowing us to be at this point, God, because uh, there's some stuff that needs to be said. This uh, culture, God, is, is lying to us from the time we wake up in the morning until we go to sleep at night. God, uh, our society, our, our, our friends, God, our, our entertainment, our, our God, sitcoms, movies, songs, lying to us, even politicians, uh, celebrities, God, everything, everything is screaming at us, God, shouting us and lying to us. And God, I thank you, Lord, for for, for times of, of truth, God, that we really need to get into. And I just pray, God, that you... You help us dig through all that other stuff, and God, get to the truth. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, amen. All right. Everybody that's going to help the pastor right here said it, amen. 
Okay, it means you're not going to get quiet, right? Uh, so I don't know about that, Pastor. Okay, so, so I'm going to tell you the story this morning, a little bit of the story of a young man named Jacob and a young lady named Rachel and her sister Leah. That's the problem, right? Isn't it? I mean, you know, got a love triangle already brewing right here, right? So, I mean, it's already going to be a problem. Let's go to some scripture right here. Now, Jacob ends up, because of, of having some uh, uh, family problems, he ends up away from home, and he connects with his family, uh, and the, the dad of the family, the head of the family is Laban. Okay, and the Word of God says Laban had two daughters. The name of the older one was Leah. The name of the younger one was Rachel. Leah had attractive eyes. But Rachel had attractive eyes. Now look at that. Leah had attractive eyes, but Rachel had a beautiful figure and beautiful features. That, poor old Leah, she had attractive eyes. Yeah, I mean, that's kind of like one of those things, you know, somebody's trying to set you up on a, on a blind date, you know, and, and, they, and you say, well, what do they look like? Oh, you, her eyes are beautiful. Well, yeah, but what about, oh, her eyes are beautiful. Yeah, but what, oh, but her eyes are beautiful. I mean, right? I mean, it's like, it's like, but there is, there is a reason for this, I think, a little later. You might see why that reason is there. That Leah had attractive eyes, but Rachel had a beautiful form and all of her features. And Jacob loved Rachel. Jacob loved Rachel. Jacob, when he saw Rachel, I mean, maybe he saw Leah's eyes for a moment. But when he saw Rachel, he became Twitter-pated. And for those of you who are not Bambi fans, let me just tell you, that means he was head over heels, couldn't help himself. God, I have this woman. He was Twitter-pated. That's the word I've always used about the way I was when I saw David's eyes shining that night, when her green eyes shining in the, the light that night, just Twitter-pated. That's the way Jacob was about Rachel. And so he offered to Laban. Because this is the way they did things back in those days. So some of you young men, you might say, man, I'm glad I didn't live back in those days. Because he offered, he said, I, I want to marry your daughter, Rachel. And here's what I'll do is I'll work for you for seven years if you'll give me your daughter, Rachel. And so Laban said, it's a deal. He worked for seven years. For seven, seven years. You got that? Seven years. He worked for seven. Come on. It's 2013. Go back to 2006. Think about everything you have done since 2006 to now. That's what he did for this one woman. And, and, and like I told you last week, you young ladies, you know, just remember, you were made in the image of God. You know, and, and like I, I, you know, I kind of told the young man, I guess, you know, don't worry so much about that dad that says he's got all the guns and everything. He's waiting on you at the door when you come pick up his daughter. It's not that dad you need to worry about. You need to worry about that dad up there because every one of these children out here that you're dating, they belong to this dad. You know, and 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 this this is this is uh, what what uh, what uh, Jacob was doing is Jacob was was investing seven years into relationship. And let me tell you, young ladies, because you, you belong to him, because you're, his, because you're his daughter, you deserve a guy like that. You deserve a guy that'll say, whatever it takes, however long it takes, whatever I've got to do, I want you. You, need a, you deserve a guy like that. And if you're already married and you don't have one like that, we'll just have to pray he turns into one. I'm sorry, you've already messed up. But if you're not married and, and, and you're still of you know, the dating age and all that kind of a thing, then you know, I want you to understand this. You deserve a young man like Jacob. Why? Because, because you're perfect? No, not because you're perfect. Uh, you know, and, and you may think there are other reasons. No, the reason you deserve that is because you're God's child. 
And you deserve a young man like that. And let me tell you something, young men, you're the same way. You deserve a young lady that has these same kind of characteristics that say, whatever it takes, however long it takes, whatever I've got to invest in this relationship. And he worked for seven years. Seven years. And, and then you know what he said after the seven years? At the end of the seven years, Jacob said to Laban, the time is up. Give me my wife. I want to sleep with her. Okay, that's normally the place where people either giggle or go, oh, yeah, because we're, we're just not that bold and blunt, you know, necessarily. I, you know, in, in this day and age that we say those kinds of things, especially not in church. I mean, he didn't, he didn't just say, hey, give me my wife. I'm ready to start a family. That would have been a little bit nicer way to say it. He said, I want to sleep with her. I mean, he is talking about relationship. He said, I'm ready for the relationship to begin. And, you know, and we could go into some, okay, we could go into some juvenile humor right here, juvenile humor right here, but that's not the purpose. That, that's not what I'm talking about here. But I want you to understand what he said. I've had seven years that I have been wanting to be with this woman. And he said, I've worked for seven years. Now give me my wife. I'm ready to sleep with her. Okay, so here, here's the first point for you. You want to have sex? Jacob did. You want to have sex? Then grow up. Make the vow. If you want to have sex, then make the vow. Do what is necessary. Because, because here again is the thing. This message, the content is not so much rated R, but it's the subject. This subject of sexual intimacy and marital relationship, relationships and those things, that is what is rated R. It was not intended for children, and it wasn't intended for those who were not ready to make the vow. And I don't care if you, you may say, well, I'm not a child, Pastor. You're talking down to me. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm an adult and I can date and I can do whatever I want to. That's not what I'm saying. I'm not saying you can't do whatever you want to. But I'm telling you, it was not intended for you. And I don't care if you're 50 years old and you're dating today. If you're a 50-year-old date or 50, my age, 52, if you're 52 years old and dating today, if you're not ready to make the vow, then you're not ready to have sex. Because being ready to have sex means that you're also ready to have kids. It means you're ready to risk sexually transmitted diseases. So you're not, you're, see, you're not really ready, are you? Because, oh, wait a minute, I didn't think about kids. You know, 25, 30 years old, you're not thinking about kids. Not, not right now. I'm just, I'm just dating and, you know, maybe going a little farther than pastor you think I ought to go or whatever. But I'm not really interested. In, then you don't need to be having sex. Because it was not intended. It's not intended. Let me tell you this. Sex is not a toy. All right, I'm, I'm pausing here so that I don't have to fill in the blanks. Sex is not a tool for you to use to manipulate others into doing what you want them to do. Pausing a little bit for you to get it all. Think about it. And sex is not currency that you can use to purchase whatever it is that you're trying to get out of somebody. Sex is a beautiful part of the union between one man and one woman that was intended for marriage and marriage alone. And every time, every time a person has sex before they are married, they are stealing a little bit from that future marriage relationship that they're going to have. You're stealing from it. You're, you're making withdrawal, but you're stealing from that. Because you don't even know if that's the person. You're, you're stealing from somebody else that you may end up marrying so that you can give it to someone else. 
You're taking something that is so precious in the way God intended it to be. You're stealing it and giving it away. And maybe not really giving it to somebody else, but maybe just giving it to yourself. This, this is what it is. This is what it's become. Because, you know, if, if you're not ready to have make the vow, you don't need to be risking some things. You know, because uh, let's go back to being 14, 15, 16 years old. You know, because, you know, you're toying with something that you could end up with and needing a job and a house and medical insurance. You need to be able to buy medicine, diapers, formula. Oh, yeah, come on. Oh, you need some par- parenting skills. You need some understanding, you know, all those things that you've been, you know, looking at your mom and dad saying how crazy and stupid, they're going to become some of the wisest people you ever knew as soon as, as soon as you find out that there's a pregnancy involved in your relationship. They're going to become some wise people when you've got that little baby. And so you see, until you're ready for all that, then you're not ready for this. And so you, you want to have sex? Then grow up and make the vow, the vow. Now let me, ta- let me take you a little farther in this story. Let me show you something else. So at the end of the seven years, he says, give me my wife. I'm ready, I'm ready for this thing to start. And so it says Laban takes uh, or invites all the people to that place and gave a wedding feast. This is, I'm sorry, Genesis chapter 29, verse 22. And in the evening he took his daughter and brought her to Jacob, and Jacob slept with her. Now let me, let me show you something. You know this scripture. You've heard me use it a lot, and it's, I think it's one of the most quoted scriptures. I think it is probably the most quoted scripture in scripture. I mean, because scripture quotes it so many times, and it's Genesis chapter 2, verse 24. We're right there. Thank you. There we go. For this reason, a man shall leave his father and his mother and be joined to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. So here's the picture of it in Genesis 29, verse 22 and 23. And realize that, that, that what God is saying there in Genesis 2, 24, he knew what was going to be happening. This is the way we do marriage, and it's the way they did marriage. And very physically, it was not just symbolically, but ceremoniously, physically, this is what they did. The man had already left home and had set up a house. Okay, are you listening? You know, you don't need to have sex until you set up a house. Okay, you don't need, you don't need to be talking about marital type stuff until you, until you get, had a, got a house set up. He left and he set up a house. And then they, they have the feast. They go through whatever the marriage ceremony might have been. And then Laban takes his daughter and he leads his daughter from his house to Jacob's house. And so what we're seeing right there is the first part of that, a man and a woman are both leaving their father and mother. Now, it doesn't mean that they have no more connection with them, but they're leaving that daily, day-to-day connection that is there. And I mean, I mean, you can see it. I mean, it's very visible. Here's what's going on. This is what God is saying. Sometimes we, we try to separate the spiritual from the physical. No, it's all part of it. I'm not just spiritually married to my wife. I am, I am physically married to my wife. And so we're seeing this, and, and as Laban is marching her to Jacob's, Jacob's house, and, and, and they get to Jacob's house, and, and they, some, some commentaries uh, tell us that, that, that the dad would even take her in and actually lay her down in the bed, and, you know, and, and that, you know, that kind of thing just starts conjuring him, uh, you know, things in your imagination. Oh, no, 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 let me not think about, you know, dad going in, into the honeymoon suite with me, you know, on, the, on my honeymoon night. But the, they even did that as, an, as a sign as a, as a ceremonious symbol of what was happening here. See, because she was already flesh of, of Laban's flesh. She was bone of her mother's bone. I mean, she already had this connection. But now 
She was making a new connection. And you know where it was? The end of verse 24. And they shall become one flesh. And how does it happen? Right there in verse 23, Jacob slept with her. You see, the consummation act of marriage is what is talked about right there at the end of chapter 2, 24. It's the consummation. And we all, say, we all know that and say that. I mean, you may have even heard that word before, the consummating a marriage. And you know what we're talking about? We're talking about sex. Where did we get? Did we dream that up? No, it's right there in the Scripture. That's what it is. And so the, 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 the sexual union is something that is very important to a marriage. Now, look right here. If we can, I hid something from you in, a chapter, in that, that chapter, that verse just a moment ago. Because I didn't want you to see it until right now. And it's Genesis 29, 25, you'll see. When morning came, there was Leah. Now, if you didn't know the story, that's why I hid it from you. Probably a lot of you knew the story. What, what Laban had done to Jacob, Jacob worked for seven years. And Jacob said, okay, give me Rachel. And so they have this big marriage feast. And then, and then, uh, then Laban, he, he's, he takes his daughter, but he takes Leah, who is the older daughter. And, and, you know, they're all covered up and everything, you know, and probably the only thing showing are her eyes. Well, she had pretty eyes. So that was, you know, that was enough probably to fool Jacob when she came in in the, you know, in the dark. I mean, you know, they probably didn't have, well, we know they didn't have 100-watt light bulbs back then. They probably didn't have 100-watt candles either. I mean, you know, so she comes in and she's all covered up and all he can see is her eyes and her eyes are pretty, you know, and he's never had relations with Rachel, so he doesn't know. And so he ends up having sex with Leah and marrying Leah that night. Now, wait a minute. What's going on here? Because I thought marriage was about a vow. Pastor, that's where you're going with this. Hang on, hang on, we're going there. I thought, I thought marriage was about a vow, yet now you're saying, see, he's waking up, and he said, well, wait a minute, what have you done to me? I'm, I'm now married to your older daughter, not the one I love. So what had happened the night before? What had happened the day before when they had the festival, when they had the, had the feast and they had the marriage ceremony? What had happened the last seven years? Jacob was making a vow to Laban, and he was making a vow to Rachel. For seven years, I'll do whatever it takes. I'll work as hard as I have to. I will pour myself into this relationship for seven years. The vow was to Rachel. But he had marital relations with Leah. And so which is it? Which is, which is the important? Which is the one that makes you married? Well, before we go to right there, let us think of a thought right, and understand a thought right here. That... Sex and sexual union is a very important part of marriage in the eyes of God. Because look at it right here. Boom! You have deceived me. He didn't say, oh, now I've had, I'm committing adultery because I, I had sex with somebody else that I, I wasn't married to. No, no, no. They were married. They had gone through. And so, but he hadn't made the vow. So, so, so are we saying that the sexual union is more important? Than, hang on right there. Before we go there, I want you to just see this. Is, is I, maybe I don't understand exactly what God is doing here and what God is saying and all these things, but, but here's what God is showing us is that the, the, the sexual union between a man and a woman is important in this thing as well. Okay? So is it more important than the vow? Uh, that's not what I'm saying. But we're not even to the vow yet. And we're reaching a sermon series on the vow. We're not even there yet. That's why I said this is a three-part sermon instead of three sermons. Because the third point is going to be about the vow next week. But we got to deal with some things right here. Is we have to understand that a part of this relationship is a sex. And when you take it outside of the marriage, you destroy something. 
You see, because here, because you may, you may be battling this. Now, Pastor, I thought it was the vow that's important, and now you're telling us, telling us that the sexual union is what's important to God. No, I, I, I'm saying that they're both important, but here's the, the moral of this part of the story, is how messed up things get when there is sex without a vow. That's what we have here, is now we have a man in the wrong marriage because of sex without the vow. You see, now he's in a relationship with a woman. He is married to a woman that he does not even love. He is married to a woman that he has no feelings for. He is married to a woman that, that uh, uh, you, you know, he, he, he almost at sometimes despises her. And in just a moment, we're going to see some even worse things happening in their marriage because of this. And so he's married to a woman he's not even, he's, he's made no vow for, he has no feelings for, no relationship with, and he is married to this woman. The mess things get into when there's sex without the vow. So what, so what do we need to do? We need to figure out how to set some parameters like I talked about last week, just at the end of that sermon. We need to figure out how to set some parameters. And, and, and those of you who are parents right here, some good talking points, okay? And some good teaching points. What parameters are in your life, parents? Do your kids see any parameters? Do you have, you have some rules that we don't step across this line? This is as far as we go with this. Because those are your teaching points for sex also for you, with your kids. You need to get this. Uh, uh, grandparents as well. Do you have any parameters that you say this is as far as we go? I told you one last week that, that, that I, I have, or a few weeks ago I told you about it, uh, about R-rated movies. Is, you know, just, just don't watch R-rated movies. You know, uh, I don't have a problem with violence so much. I don't like some of the gratuitous, gratuitous violence that I see. But I won't even watch those because, you know, just, uh, just, just don't go any farther than PG-13. And so that's my parameter. But you know what? Even that's not enough. Because I remember, I remember one time, several, quite a few years ago, Dave and I rented a movie, a blockbuster, and we get it home, you know, back in the VHS, you know, days. You know, y'all, y'all know what those are, you know? Any of you young people, y'all know what VHS tapes are anymore? And, and we, we took it home, and in five minutes, we had turned it off, ejected it, and I carried it back to Blockbuster and demanded a refund. Yeah, just because you've got parameters doesn't mean sometimes you don't have to stand up as well. And now it's even easier because now if you go on to uh, on demand, you know, and you rent a movie and it says it's PG or PG-13, and you say, oh, we can watch this, and you start it, you know, and then boom, oh, oh wait a minute. Oh, man, it's easy. You just turn the thing off. Y'all do have an off button on your remotes at home, right? If not, uh, bring it to me. I'll show you where it's at, okay? Because you need to find it. Because it is, a, especially you parents, it is a great teaching point for your kids. They need to understand that you know sometimes you have to use the off button. And, and, and then you can just pick up the phone, call ATT or Charter, whoever you got, and, you know, and, and just say, listen, this movie, we're not watching it, da 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 You can look and see that we just rented it, but we're not going to watch it, take it off, we don't want it. And they'll give you a refund. But you don't even have to do that anymore. It's, so, it's even easier than that because there, there are actually websites that you can go to. CommonSenseMedia.com is one of the good ones, one of the really good ones. And it'll tell you exactly what's in the, in the movie without telling you what's going on in the movie. So I mean, you don't have to sit there and be embarrassed because you've invited some friends over to watch something that you thought was okay for Christians to watch. And then a great teaching point again, parents, is you can tell your kids before you sit down with your 14, 15, 16-year-old kids and watch a movie on demand, you can sit down with them and say, hey, I'll check this out. We're going to be okay tonight. You know, this is okay. 
Great teaching point that you've gone that, that next step. You've done, what you've, you've done your homework, and you're ready to make sure that you're not going to put them in a place of, uh, of danger, in a place of sexual unsafety. That you're not going to do it. Great teaching points. But let's talk about other parameters. The parameters that are more important probably right here are the actual physical sexual parameters. You know, years ago, and I, I, don't, I, I hadn't been in high school for a long time as far as I've been, been in two high schools, you know, speaking there and things, but I hadn't been in high school in a long time. And I don't know, but I think everybody still knows the system that used to be used called the bases. First base, second base, third. Now, do y'all need me to elaborate? My wife doesn't. But do y'all need me to elaborate? My wife really hopes you don't need me to, is what I'm saying. So how far? What is okay? Which base is it, is it okay for unmarried Christians to get to? Which is it? You know, the, you already know, don't you? You already know. You knew until a previous president trying to cover up his indiscretions, said, this is okay too. You can do this. Or until you heard a, a celebrity or watched a movie or watched 100 movies or watched 20 episodes of your favorite sitcom that you probably should have been using an off button on, you knew what was really pr appropriate until you started listening to what society and media and celebrities were telling you. You knew what was appropriate until you started listening to your friends brag about stuff they probably hadn't done anyway and tell you, this is okay, and this is okay, and um, my big brother says, this is okay, and my big sister says, this is okay. You knew until you started listening to your friends. You knew what was okay in your heart. You know why? Because God has already put that inside of us. And then He's given us the check of our conscience. And then on top of that, He's given us the check of the Holy Spirit that convicts us and directs us and guides us. So we already, you don't need me to tell you this. All you need me to do is remind you. Go back to what you knew before you started listening to the world. Go back to what you knew before you started watching stuff you shouldn't have watched. Go back to what you already knew before you started easing toward the edge. And then you step up. Because listen, you may know it, but the more you step over the line, the further blurred that line gets until finally you fall off. You know, there aren't a lot of 14-year-old girls out there pregnant on purpose. We, we blur the line and we don't know anymore. I told you. Listen, it's not toy. It's not that. It's not any of those things. It is a beautiful part of marriage. So what do we do? One, one last little thing. In the next chapter, chapter 30, verse 1, Rachel sees she's not bearing Jacob any children. I got to, I, I got, I'm sorry, I, I skipped a little bit of the story. Let me, let me share you this part of the story. Is it, so Laban says, okay, Jacob, here's what you do. Now you're married to, to Leah. Give her her week, her seven days. You guys have your honeymoon for seven days. 
and then I'll give you Rachel. And then stay with me for seven years to pay for Rachel now. Now, I, that, that doesn't sound like a good deal because, I meant, you know, you're the one that changed the You know what Jacob did? He said, okay. He did that. Now, we don't have time for the uh, polygamy discussion right here, okay? Don't have time for the whole thing about the Old Testament and all that. This wasn't God's way. I'm going to show that. I'm going to show you that in just a moment. This was not God's way. But this is what they did a lot of times in those days. And it wasn't God's way because then he gets married to Rachel. Okay, and then he works another seven years. Now, while he so he marries one, and a week later he marries another, two sisters. Now, come on, somebody, tell me what you think that marriage is going to be like. You know, here's exactly what it was like. Leah starts having babies. Boom, one, two, three, four, and Rachel hasn't had a one. Now, Jacob loves Rachel. Leah. He's married to, but he loves Rachel. And, look, and Rachel's not having any kids. And Rachel's starting to get jealous. Well, Scripture says she's beginning to get jealous. And she's worried. And so she, she thinks, oh, man, I, I'm going to lose my husband that loves me. He's going to start loving Leah, my sister, more than he does me. So you know what she does? She takes her maid, Bilhah, and she takes Bilhah over to Jacob and gives her to him as a concubine, secondary wife, and says, here, you got to give me some children. Give me children through my maidservant here. And so Jacob does. And so she has two sons for Jacob. And now Leah's thinking, oh no, I, I was the important one. And now Rachel, she through her maidservant, she's going to get the upper hand on me. i got to do something. But Leah stopped having kids. She had four sons for Jacob, and now all of a sudden she stopped having kids. And so she takes her maidservant, Zilpah, and she takes her over to Jacob and says, you got to give me some more kids. So give them to me through my maidservant. And so now he's got four wives. You know, and he only, come on, listen, he only bargained. But he ends up with four. And so now Zilpah, she has two sons for him. And then, boom, guess what happens to Leah? All of a sudden, she starts having kids again. Now she has three more. And then after she has her, th her third one, uh, now her seventh child that she gives to Jacob, boom, guess what? Rachel starts having kids. Rachel has two kids. The two youngest of the entire family come from Rachel, the beloved. And they, they are the children of Rachel, his beloved, and they are the babies. Can you imagine how spoiled they are? If you don't know the story, read the rest of Genesis and see how spoiled they were. And this caused tension. This caused jealousy. This caused the brothers to despise one another. This caused them to actually contemplate killing one of them and, and lying to their dad about it. They didn't end up killing him, but they did lie to their dad and told him that he was dead. And all of this happened. You know why? Because there was sex without the vow. Because it wasn't done in God's... Here's the thing. You were created by God. You were wired by Him. You, you, you were made in a, in a special way that you would have intimacy with one person. That's the reality. That's the truth. That's who you are. And so, uh, you know, you say, well, I just don't. I, listen, 
I'm not telling you what you've got to do. I'm telling you how God wired you. Look at it. See it. This is how God wired you. One of these days, those of you who are not married, listen to this. One of these days, one of these nights, you're going to walk into the honeymoon suite with your beloved. And if you've had sexual relations with other people, you won't be walking in there alone. Because every sexual encounter you've ever had in your life is walking in that room with you. Stop stealing from tomorrow. If you already have, deal with it, you and God. There's always forgiveness. There's always blessing. There's always mercy. There's always grace. We, we sang about it just a few moments ago. His love never fails. It never gives up. It never runs out on us. You can deal with it. You can fix it today. But stop stealing from that relationship. Protect that beautiful marriage relationship that you're going to have one day. Hang on to it. Treasure it. Wrap it up in the love of God. Wrap it up in the awesomeness of a commitment that you intend to make. And then put parameters around it and say, I will not cross this line. Stand with me. Would you come to the front? Let's all come to the front. We'll close. Let me hurry. Let me hurry right here. Jamie, go ahead when you can. Jamie's going to lead us in a final song. Don't start singing until you finish praying. But listen, if, you, uh, if you're unmarried today, I'm going to pray over you. If you have kids that aren't married, I want you to pray over them. I want to pray for you, parents. If you have grandkids that aren't married, pray for them. I want to pray for you, grandparents. You've got to be an example. You, 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 you've, got, you've, got to, you've got to find some ways. I, I, I gave you some ideas here today, some good teaching points. If you don't have some parameters, if you don't have some things in your life that you say no to, you ain't got a lot of teaching points. So if you don't have them yet, get some. And if you don't know where it is, then make some up. Do something just so you've got a teaching point with your kids. You gotta say no. You gotta see that, or you gotta let them see you say no in front of them sometimes. I wanna pray for you, parents. I wanna pray for you, grandparents. But I want you to pray. I want you to pray for those. Because, listen, it, it may seem so foreign to you. You may say, our kids didn't need to hear this. I was so blessed last week to hear so many positive remarks from parents and grandparents after the sermon. Because you know what? Most of the places I've pastored, they were like, our kids don't need to hear that. You guys get it. That they're being told a bunch of lies out there. And they need to know what God says about this beautiful, awesome relationship. Because reality, here's the reality. This last thing, sex without lifelong commitment is spiritually, psychologically, and physically destructive. It'll destroy you. Psychologically, physically, and spiritually, it'll destroy you. you don't believe me? Don't, don't believe me. Go ask somebody that knows. Go ask a counselor. Go ask, go ask a doctor. 
Go ask them because it, is, it, it will. They need to know the truth. And you know why this is? Because that's, because that's God made us to be one with one person. And when we do anything outside of that, it's destructive. There's a penalty to pay. There, something's not going to go right. Something's going to fall apart. Something's going to be unhealthy. Something's going to be a struggle. Something's going to be a mess. I hope you don't end up like Jacob with four wives and all of them related. It can be a mess. Bow with me. I want to pray for you. Come on, pray for yourself. Pray for those kids. Pray for those grandkids. Jamie, go away when you can. God, I just pray.